0: Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. We hope that these stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Please welcome your host, Alan Tam, Chief Marketing Officer at Actium Health.
1: Our first two seasons of Hello Healthcare are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our conversations with some of healthcare's most well-respected leaders in marketing, business strategy, data science, and much more. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Hello Healthcare. Healthcare consumer behavior and expectations have become increasingly fluid. From consumption, engagement, to research and conversion. The number of mediums and channels have exploded in recent years and healthcare organizations have accelerated their own digital transformation, how they are racing towards meeting and connecting with healthcare consumers where they are. I'm excited to have Stephen Strong, Director of Digital Marketing at Northwestern Medicine, join me today as we explore and discuss how healthcare organizations are tackling the fluidity and the dynamics of today's healthcare consumers. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I'm really interested in what
0: does a digital marketing director do? Sure, within a healthcare organization today. Anything that plugs in. No, digital is a fuzzy word, right? It's, it's very broad. So when I joined Northwestern Medicine uh, over six years ago, it was a new role, didn't exist. At least someone at that more leadership level, more senior level, and so kind of was brought in to run the website and then very quickly create a social media team and build a social media strategy. And then that started blurring because it's marketing and the the digital paid. But I think in healthcare, more than any other category, quickly got into consumer experiences or patient experience. And so for digital in healthcare, especially a lot of health systems that have not had a strong digital experience perspective, the role in a lot of health systems has evolved outside of marketing into more patient and, and user experiences.
1: Right. So if I've done my research correctly, I understand that you come from a CPG background, is that correct?
0: I do. Yeah. Prior to Northwestern Medicine, I had not worked in healthcare. So I spent about 20 years on the creative advertising brand marketing side, both at advertising agencies and then also at large consumer companies like Unilever, for instance, for for CPG. So really grew up in the marketing, consumer marketing space, and then uh, moved over to healthcare and realized that was very new territory for the industry. And the last six years been really making my path through that, as they say. What's been the biggest surprise for you
1: coming from CPG to healthcare?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, and this is pretty general, not just my experience, as I brought in other people from outside healthcare into my digital team, it's, it's the pace of things. Healthcare is, for a lot of reasons, can be perceived as slower than other industries. It takes a lot more time to have more strategic decisions made and approved and a lot more time implementing because healthcare by general is just so much more complex than, you know, I've worked in cream cheese, I've worked in hairspray, I've worked in paint. Those products don't necessarily have a point of view either Mm -hmm. on on how they're marketed and and how they're portrayed online. When you work in a service organization like healthcare with a lot of physicians, a lot of clinical teams, there's a lot more voices to listen to and and understand and and also sometimes persuade.
1: Right. Is it changing? I mean, with the formation of, digital teams like yours, is it changing and is it changing
0: more rapidly now? You know, interesting being at some of the healthcare conferences post-COVID, COVID COVID helped. It really digitally transformed a lot of the organizations, uh, given the remoteness, and made them more open to digital and, and digital experiences, especially in the clinical side. And so I think it's changing. I think the digital teams are becoming more robust and bringing in skill sets like user experience that in the past really uh, weren't even known existed. But I think within a large health system, you're still working within that bigger health system with a lot of other priorities, a lot of other teams uh, participating in in digital tools per se. So I think the, the skill sets coming in, how digital teams fit within the bigger organization I know is, is a lot of discussion, not just at Northwestern Medicine, but other large health systems, you know, where do they fit? Do They stay in marketing. Should they be in IS? Should they be in a patient experience group? Do you even have a patient experience group that's tasked with uh, improving patient experience? So it is kind of wild west. I think the, the, the core uh, fundamentals are there in the skill sets. Now it's like, oh, their teams are getting pretty big. Where are they going to be most beneficial in an org structure? as well as uh, a senior leadership standpoint. What's your opinion? Where should they say? Uh, I've worked in a lot of different organizations. No one's not even CBG have they figured it out. It was always like marketing or IT, marketing or IT. I think you're gonna see the, the patient experience emphasis, uh, especially with uh, more systems creating chief experience officer roles. That's fairly new to healthcare, not in other categories. I think you know it's gotta take a senior leadership perspective of the importance of that. And I think the digital teams will be ready to plug into it. But it really, right now, and talking to some of my other digital leader peers, it is uh, probably one of the bigger topics right now. Kind of where are we going to land? Absolutely. So, in the digital team,
1: obviously, you create a lot of content, a lot of strategy, and really driving for the digital transformation of yeah. Northwestern and other health systems. Have their digital teams trying driving things forward from an audience perspective? How do you compare and contrast that with, say, the audience that you worked with in
0: consumer product goods. Sure. Yeah. I think on the marketing side, you're still marketing to consumers, right? Mm -hmm. Either... People who've never been a patient for a health system. Um, so they need to be convinced to consider us at some point if they do have a health health issues or patients who uh, are lapsed and have not been back in a while, reminding them we're still here. And so the consumer marketing emphasis and strategy is very similar. Uh, healthcare from a content standpoint is a lot different than packaged goods, right? There's a lot of topics we can talk about, a lot of service lines, as we call it. And there's a lot of content formats. There's so many content channels now. So from that standpoint, it's really focusing on where do you feel you can reach the audience most efficiently and how much content you need? Like social media takes a lot of content, a lot of branded content. So um, part of it's depending on how much content you can create. And then where is it most efficient to uh, to promote it and publish it? So does healthcare, in your opinion, need to create more content? I think you need to create enough content that meets your strategic objectives. And I think that's where having not just a strategic focus of what orthopedics, cardiovascular, what are the service lines? But more importantly, from a, from a marketing standpoint, what is your organization most importantly need to drive patient volume in and in which places, right? So it's not just, you know, drive everyone one hospital. Most of us in larger health systems have multiple hospitals across multiple cities. And so, you know, understanding where that volume is needed and digital is a great way to geotarget and, and focus your content publishing, that a lot has to go into it. And, and the digital team just wants that information. The marketing team wants that information. So as much in- that information is available to us, the more we can tailor the content and the audience. Otherwise, you're just doing kind of mass awareness, which uh, is not very cost efficient.
1: Right. So since the pandemic and as we exit the pandemic, how have healthcare consumer behaviors and expectations change.
0: Everyone loves telemedicine now. <laughs> Everyone's been on Zoom, right? That's yep. one thing the pandemic did. Everyone's comfortable with talking to someone through your computer or your phone visually. So, I think, you know, a lot of remote care, remote health, that's a big topic. Hospital at home. How do we move our are still providing quality care outside of our clinical spaces? That's way beyond the realm of marketing, but it is a digital experience. And so, I do think COVID and the pandemic made people more comfortable with technology in a, in a patient health clinical conversation. At the same time, you know, we were only doing a lot of marketing digitally when everyone was was sheltering in place. So kind of seeing where the media landscape, you know, more broadly is netting out as far as media costs and, and what those opportunities are, it's um, still coming together, I think, but it's it's interesting to see the industry was almost on autopilot, I think the paid media industry, and it's really the last two years, we've seen been kind of rethinking its value and and up, increased value or, or, or lesser value.
1: All right. So let's talk about healthcare consumer expectations mm-hmm.
0: versus yeah, where
1: healthcare marketing yeah, is I want my, today. I want my
0: my my appointment to act like taking a, a plane, right, or booking a flight. I think that is the comparison of. The, sorry, I'm holding up my phone that doesn't exist. My phone <laughs> being my care tool and my first touch with my provider and being able to schedule and reschedule and follow up just like I would booking an air flight, just like I would booking a hotel stay. That's the holy grail, I would say. I think what's different is travel industry is extremely complex when it comes to data, but it's also extremely structured when it comes to data. Healthcare just as complex and much less structured. and so. The functionality that you expect through a travel app you would expect could be just as easy in a healthcare app or maybe even easier behind the scenes, unfortunately not that way. And so because being able to just even book an appointment, finding when a physician's available, getting that appointment reserved, you know, knowing you're showing up with your phone to prompt you before you get there, that all seems pretty doable in a technology. I call it the laws of technology physics, like you can totally do it. But a lot of health, most health systems, behind the scenes, it's so complicated, just trying to pull that together takes takes a lot of effort. And a lot of a lot of health systems would love to have that that seamless experience. And we're just struggling to, you know, get the right tools in place to provide it.
1: Why? If everyone wants
0: the same ultimate goal, uh, every, everyone wants that. You holy know, grail. Uh, it's uh, coming from again, you know, coming from outside healthcare into healthcare. I've never seen an industry, and this is not just Northwestern Medicine, this is across the board, an industry that organically grew such complex in-house data structure and databases and where's the data, who has access to the data, how do you, you know, we've got a data lake that's probably the size of a of a small ocean you know and <laughs> and all the data is in there somewhere but you know who's going to find it how do you find it how do you make it self service and you know there's a lot of technology companies trying to solve that for us which is great they haven't quite done it yet for the most part but you know once that that middle layer is in place to you know allow the kind of very simple user tasks to interact with very complicated and complex data um, and databases. Once that's in place to allow that to happen, it'll it'll be light years progression. Um, I can't wait. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: How does patient data today play a role
1: in your strategy and programs? Like how much oh, of it sure. in, in, yeah. in, are you using it today? I
0: mean, there is a new trend and we're part of that to, to really start owning our own data. And from marketing, CRM, automation, whatever you want to call it, owning that data in-house. You know, you can go to a lot of external agencies and vendors and they'll take third-party data they buy, they'll mash it up with your patient data, not at a one-to-one basis, but in general. And they'll create targeting lists for you to use from a marketing standpoint. And that's pretty general practice. Moving that in-house and you know, owning your CRM in-house and, and that marketing automation in-house, I do feel like that is the new trend that's coming. Um, it takes a lot of effort and money to do that. and And it's not just a marketing decision nor a marketing responsibility. That, again, requires there's a lot of different departments coming together and agreeing that this is a priority for the organization. Marketing may be one of the more faster near-term benefits of that, beneficiaries of that, but there is a feeling now I think that you know, there's a lot of other departments that would love to have access to that data for other needs beyond marketing, but it's just not one place. So I do think marketing as a driver for the need for that seems to be something that's a trend that's really happening. And um, that'll have, I think, benefits well beyond marketing for organizations, once the data is in one place and and you can you can access it and and utilize it. So
1: CRM adoption and implementation as a trend yeah. in healthcare, yeah, is that the right? Do, in your opinion,
0: oh, I think it is. I mean, I think it's natural. I, again, it's it's one just one area where you know healthcare, for better or worse, is behind most other categories. So it's a it's a common strategy. I think how do you do it correctly? And again, you're dealing with so much more data than I think you do in in, in other consumer marketing industries. So how do you identify what data is most important to developing a target list, for instance, or deciding you know who do you remarket to lapsed patients and and then more importantly like again where do you have volume so if I'm selling hairspray, you know, I don't have to worry about if the Walmart down the street has it in stock and CVS doesn't. They all pretty much carry my hairspray. But in healthcare, you know, we've got availability in one one clinical facility or not the other, depending on what your clinical treatment is. You know, there might be availability or not, and so that again inherently makes it more complicated to decide how do you capture that data, leverage it, and market to the right people, and not drive people to try to make an appointment where then they can't get in for six months. You know, it eliminates the uh, really damages. Your brand reputation, um, as well. So again, it's it's so much more complex than uh, than I've seen elsewhere. But I do think you know AI is coming. We were just talking about that. So AI is coming. Hopefully, it helps. Uh, I think a lot of those vendors and those types of systems are just you know hopefully going to just bake in AI into what they offer. And you know, as a marketer, I don't even I probably have to even know that AI is happening or or what. It just makes things more efficient. And I think that for us is like please hurry up. You know, AI has been, it's almost like mobile. We were talking about mobile, the the, the year of mobile is coming. We were talking about that for like 10 years until the iPhone. Right. Um, I feel like we've been talking about the year of AI has been coming. Um, I think the recent, very recent evolutionary approach we've been seeing with like open AI and some of those systems that is I think the iPhone coming from mobile like finally it's like oh that's tangible I think I see how that actually is gonna hopefully benefit and make all these systems and and behind the scenes work much more efficient and and much more appropriate yeah I think uh for
1: sure and I think it's kind of the golden age or golden era for AI at the moment and yeah quite honestly you know the the year of AI or, or whatnot I think chat GPT and these generative AI technologies definitely help elevate it. But quite honestly, it's been around forever, right? Yeah. Especially in, in retail, commerce, travel, yeah. they're all using AI. In fact, in healthcare, on the clinical side, AI has been in use for all, almost, if not over a decade, Yeah. helping with uh, clinical diagnosis and, and, and so forth. So, is there a place, and what is a place for AI on the business side Mm -hmm. of healthcare?
0: I think if we can just make processes more efficient, you know, rather than hiring someone to sift through CRM data and build a targeting model and kind of pull all the switches necessary, if you can automate that, you know, it it frees up a marketing person's time to to do other things. And so, I do think if it makes more efficient, more effective speed to market for programs, I think the marketing team. Obviously, will still own the strategy. They'll own the channels. They'll own the creative content. But I do think that that data, especially on the analytics side, um, trying to you know how do you crunch behind the scenes data to get to an ROI for a campaign, which requires a, a lot of lot of clinical data and, and patient data again within a firewall, so it's all protected. But you know, there's a lot of activity that has to happen there to get an ROI for a direct mail campaign. And if AI can really automate that, and everyone believes it's telling the truth, right. <laughs> skepticism is always part of it, yeah. then I do think it's going to allow every, everyone, any health system that, that leverages it to be more effective and be more accurate with their campaigns, which is what we want. We want to make sure our patients, or potential patients, understand the care we can provide. We want to get that message in front of them. We just need to get in front of the right people. And that's hopefully where AI can really add value. Hello Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium's
1: CRM intelligence to identify their highest risk patients and drive them to care. Increase your patient volumes, revenue growth, and improve your quality scores today. Learn more at ActiumHealth.com. And now back to the show. Why is there skepticism in AI?
0: I think everyone's—you tried using Chatbot in the last five years. You know, Chatbot's not that smart. You know, they were Chatbot was really—I think—from a marketing standpoint. Really, the first foray into like, hey, we can automate processes, right? Someone come to the website, and instead of using the search bar, they can start talking to the bot and and get where they want to go. Out of the box, they're they need information to be smart, and again, a lot of that information is limited, so they kind of weren't that smart. You got to would spend a lot of time building a knowledge management system to feed the chat bot, and that's a lot of people power and that's a lot of effort. And so, I think the idea of a chat bot automating search queries or automating a website experience was the holy grail. I think everyone quickly realize, oh, it's just giving you links to pages. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit better than a site search. But again, now with generative AI and everything coming out, oh, it can actually become more of a conversation. But you know, within healthcare, you got to make sure you're giving the right answers. And so again, I do think from a clinical standpoint and from a brand standpoint, Healthcare topics are very complex. The questions that can be asked, not always the right questions. And the answers we provide have to be accurate or at least directionally driving to the right answer. And so that again makes it very uh, complicated. And again, there's a lot riding on those answers. And so, you know, I think we as a, as, as healthcare marketers are more comfortable with AI and digital. We're totally comfortable with AI. I just want it to be. Correct and, and accurate. Otherwise it's not helping. And so I do feel now transformationally that's coming. Like, oh, now I could have I could see a chatbot actually seeming to be intelligent, starting to sound like a real person and, and adding value. Where in the past it's it was it was interesting, but not something we would have ever launched at scale. So Siri and Alexa, don't cut it. Siri and Alexa, don't, I still can't get Alexa to answer my questions. I wish that would hurry up and get some generative AI. I still fight with her sometimes about what I'm trying to get an answer for. So Siri wins. Siri, uh, I'm not a Siri user. I can't quote on Siri. I mean, I'm an Alexa loyalist, even though uh, we don't agree most of the time.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
0: So one of
1: the things that you've recently talked about is leveraging TikTok yes. in healthcare, which yeah, I find Nothing controversial
0: about TikTok. Absolutely not.
1: How did this idea come about? And tell me more about
0: it. Yeah, sure. So uh, we launched our TikTok channel two years ago. Actually, two years ago, April. So it really is our two-year anniversary. And one of the things I had accelerated when I joined Northwest Medicine is I built an in-house social team. We built between a couple departments, came together, and we brought all our social media in-house. So the strategy, the content calendar, the publishing, the content creation, the community management, analytics, everything to run social channels. And I'd done that in in at other companies. And so you know, as we built up the resources and, and brought that together, we've had we've got a Really solid social team, and we had uh, pretty much I would say figured out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter's always kind of hanging out. You know, I think like everybody else, we spent about six months with Snapchat and decided it wasn't really appropriate for from a marketing standpoint. And so TikTok was coming through, and it was for the kids two years ago, right? It was predominantly twenty somethings and younger. And I've got kids, and they were all like. Two of three were consumed by TikTok. Um, so we knew it was a compelling social channel. We didn't know, is it going to be appropriate, you know, not for healthcare, because I think health information is very appropriate for TikTok, but is the audience, right? So, you know, we're predominantly like, many health systems, our audience from a marketing standpoint is older, 35 plus. And so at that point, TikTok was younger. But it seemed to me as Facebook was getting like extremely mature and Instagram was getting there that you know more and more people were probably going to be kind of dabbling in TikTok and maybe it becomes their second social platform of choice. So we chose two years ago to, I call it pilot, which is my words for uh, not sure what's going to happen. So don't hold me to it. And we agreed not to spend a lot of effort, but you, know, you do have to create Content and so we launched doing a couple of videos a month. Got a lot of experience with just the TikTok style because it is very unique compared to other social channels. Videos on TikTok. Look very different than videos elsewhere. And if you take a video from another platform and just publish it on TikTok, it looks out of place. And so that creatively from a content standpoint is it was a nice challenge. Like, okay, how do we create content it feels TikTok, but it's still representing a, a national healthcare brand? And so uh, that was year one and just getting learnings from it. And fortunately in the last year, as TikToks continue to grow, it's continued to grow because it's acquiring older users. And so some of the research I found recently that was published, I think it was 65% of users in the US are over age 30, which is pretty good. Before that, like a year prior, it was about 38%. So, okay. TikTok's been growing, I think they got all the teens, <laughs> there's no more teens to capture, uh, and it's growing because it's you and older and, and older audiences are getting engaged with it. And so that gave us a pretty good comfort level that, okay, year one was learning how to use it. Year two was, okay, let, let's make it a formal part of our social media platform. It's still, I would say, not as emphasized as Facebook and Instagram, because very large audiences, very robust uh, paid media capabilities there. But it's coming. And as long as the country doesn't ban it, (laughs) I think we'll be okay. We're kind of waiting to see what happens there.
1: How do you measure success and effectiveness of the content that you create and deliver on TikTok?
0: Yeah, we've got our benchmarks for the other platforms, which helps. It's your. Typical impressions or views along with engagement rates, shares, likes, that type of thing. And so the same common analytics can apply to TikTok. I think what we're looking at right now is the, the analytics from TikTok is much more basic. I would say than the other platforms as a newer platform, I mean, one that's just exploded exponentially. Your analytics is views is pretty much it, right? You can get some engagement rates, but it's it's really views. So from that standpoint, it's pretty basic. We've started dabbling with paid media on it. And right now, and it's it's really early days, but it just seems to be a much more efficient paid vehicle as far as, you know, we spend, let's say $1,000 how many views do we get for thousand dollars? Way more views than we're getting in, in Facebook, and so you know, Facebook CPMS have been rising the last couple of years. That's that's pretty common known fact, and and CPM just means it's it's less efficient use of our dollars. I don't think we'll dump Facebook and move over to, to TikTok per se, but the fact that we can you know demographically target and geo target yeah. on TikTok with with paid spend, and we're seeing uh, really good efficient video views coming out of it, gives it gives it, gives it promise. Amazing. So definitely bleeding edge. Yes. I've heard of very few... Not a good healthcare term, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Pay on words there. So what's, what's next? Oh, what's next? Yeah, what is next? The, the AI stuff's coming. So that that's definitely what next. I think in social media, marketing, TikTok's what's next. I don't... Whether or not Twitter flames out, we'll see. That's the new frontier for now. I think there's a lot... Well, the big topic right now, and there's some, some sessions most recently at, at this conference is privacy and HIPAA and now HIPAA and PHI being applied more broadly outside of patient, one-to-one patient. So you're logged in my chart Portal, patient portal, that applies now to just public websites. And your IP address is now considered PHI and the content you're browsing with your IP address, even though it's not you, it's your device, is considered PHI, Uh, it seems to be, based on direction the government's been giving lately. And so how a health system in the past could share user data with our advertising partners, with our media platforms to more highly optimize our, our media dollars and our targeting, not on a one-to-one basis in aggregate, but it still uses IP address. And so you know that is something every health system is struggling with right now, which is, oh, we are losing and maybe, so most of us have lost the ability to leverage our site data outside of the system. So that is the big challenge. And how do we move around that? How do we bring, do people bring more of that third party in-house behind the firewall so we can leverage it? That's a huge commitment, effort and money and technology. So I think that is, if I look the rest of this year, that is definitely the probably one of the, the top two or three items on every health marketer's list. Okay, I got one for you. All right. What about the metaverse? Oh, the metaverse!
1: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get ahead of the game before it exists, so that when it does come out, you're
0: there first to market. Right. I started coding web pages in 1995. <laughs> um, I've seen, I, I saw the metaverse when it was Second Life uh, wow. back in the 2000s you know, the metaverse, it's coming, it's got 15 years. The technology, the devices just cannot keep up with what we envision the metaverse to be, you know, visually like real life and and that type of thing. The headset technology is just not there. It's going to take at least 10 years. I think what gets interesting is that is more so than any other digitally enabled technology, that's going to have an age break. Like there are going to be people over a certain age who are not going to do it. There are people under a certain age who are going to grow up with it. There are people in the middle who have been doing gaming for a long time and kind of get it. So they're okay with that type of experience. But um, from a health system standpoint, what I tell people is like, you don't have to worry about it. And, And part of what I feel in digital strategy is sometimes it's very. It's actually that's very relieving for people to hear. Don't worry about that right now, right? Let's worry about AI. Let's worry about that tangible stuff. But the metaverse, like it's coming. It's going to take a while, and you know, just don't worry about it. You can play around it with if you want. But you know, on the training side, on on the clinical edu- medical education side. VR headsets, virtual, yeah, that has a purpose, right? And it's a very focused purpose. But from a consumer experience standpoint, it's going to take a while. And you could argue it's already here. It's called Fortnite, you mm-hmm. know, it's called Roblox. Have you ever been in Roblox or um, or even uh, Minecraft, you know, and those are basic experiences like that's the metaverse right now. So you can actually be engaged with it if you want. But unless you're really into it, uh, you won't spend much time there. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me started in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Stephen, it's been a super enlightening conversation. Yeah, thank you. I want to thank you so much for your time and dropping in. I'm sure many in the audience would love to continue the conversation and learn more and pick your brain and say, huh, we want to start a TikTok program. Sure. How do we get started? What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you to learn more?
0: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Stephen Strong, S-T-R-O-N-G, or by email at S-T-E-P-H-E-N, S-T-R-O-N-G at
1: nm.org. Thank you so much again, Steven. So for those of you in the audience, this has been a super enlightening conversation on social marketing and quite honestly, all things healthcare marketing. So do give Stephen a ping. With that being said, thank you for joining in today. And until next time, hello.
0: Thanks again for tuning into Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe on HelloHealthcare.com. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello.